Yeah, I'm probably going to offend a fair few people with these comments, but this is my thoughts on cryptocurrency from someone who actually makes or has made a decent amount of money in investing. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Now, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo, founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute. We just help people live a kick-ass life, and we do that through mental performance tools and also through business performance tools as well. So let's get into the podcast. I'm going to be talking about cryptocurrency. Now, whether you are into crypto, whether you're not into it, it's probably worth a good listen, just knowing the direction of the future and what I think but also around a lot of the dodgy shit that's been going on in that space for a while and why I got in, why I bailed, how I made money in crypto and then how I got out and why I got out. So I'm gonna dive a bit deep into this one and give you my thoughts and philosophies around investing, making money and my ideas of the whole idea of crypto in the first place. So let's get into it. So back in 2000 and I think it was 16 or 2017, I had invested a bit into crypto, not a shitload, but it was, you know, around about 25,000, maybe $30,000 back at the time. Actually, it might've been a little bit more, but I'd heard about this thing called crypto or Bitcoin. And I'd also heard about Ethereum. And these were really spoken about probably a couple of years before that, that I heard a friend of mine who had bought a large amount of Bitcoin. In fact, he bought a lot when it was in dollar amounts, not when it was in hundreds of dollar amounts or even thousands. So he, he bought a lot. But unfortunately, he got his account hacked back in the days where there wasn't a lot of security around cryptocurrency or Bitcoin. And so he actually had his account hacked and he probably lost tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars of crypto. So that was the unfortunate situation of crypto back in the old days or back in the original days of crypto. I shouldn't say the old days, but it was pretty crazy. It's still crazy. But anyway, so I had invested in it. Now, all that I saw, and I wasn't really smart enough to figure it all out. All that happened was I had a bunch of people around me who were starting to invest in it. I sat down with them and I said, look, give me the debrief. Give me the breakdown of it. If it's overcomplicated, I won't invest in it because complicated things tend to be complicated for a reason. I like simple things that are easy to understand. So anyway, they just explained it. It was a digital currency or a digital way of exchanging funds. And I thought this is cool. Also, I guess Ethereum was used for some other things as well, but I didn't really know too much about it. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna just throw in at the time I had about 25 grand just sitting around or 30,000 bucks, whatever it was around. I can't remember what it was back then. I threw it in and I thought, let's see what happens. Now, over time, over a short period of time, the account went from about $25,000, $30,000, and I watched it starting to climb, then it dropped, then it climbed, then it dropped. And I just noticed that I was starting to get a bit emotionally volatile around it. I was addicted to the highs, but I was also feeling shit about the lows. And I used to check my phone like 10 times per day, which isn't like me. Normally, when it comes to trading, I just invest in something and leave it. Like, I'll check my share account probably once a week, and then I just leave it. I don't really mess around with them. In fact, I haven't checked my US trading account for probably three or four months because I don't need to. As long as the money is in there and as long as it's doing its thing, I know that I own the shares. That's about it. I just keep reinvesting more and more money into the share market. And then that's about it. I don't need to keep worrying about it, especially if they're index funds and those sort of things. Because my goal is to accumulate wealth. It's not to get in and get out. 
Now, here's where most people fuck up when they trade, and this is what most people do, right? Because they're trying to get rich quick, they want quick wins, they're addicted to the highs, they get all depressed and they feel shit when they end up losing money or through the lows. So I know that investing is an emotional game. It's an emotional game for most people, but investing is really a mental game. It is understand the asset that you're buying, understand how it's gonna make you returns, and then understand how you get those returns and then what you wanna do with them. Now, my goal is to just become extremely wealthy over a long period of time. So I'm not trying to get in and get out. Now, what happens is when you buy a share or when you buy any investment and you make money on it, you incur a capital gains tax in most cases. Now, you've got to talk to your accountant about this, but you incur a tax, a capital gains tax. Now, if you're buying in and buying out, you're essentially incurring a capital gains tax. So you've got to pay tax on that money. If I just leave the asset in there over an extended period of time, in almost all cases, the asset will outperform those who trade on a daily basis or even a weekly basis. So if you look statistically, those who day trade, which means that they're trying to get a margin, let's just say the price goes from a dollar to a dollar twenty. So they buy the share at a dollar, they sell at a dollar twenty. So let's say they buy a thousand shares. So they're ten dollar shares, they buy a thousand of them, that's ten thousand dollars. Now if that share goes up from $1,000 to $1,200, then they sell, they incur a capital gains tax on that $200 that they've just made. So they might be paying 30, 40, maybe even 50% tax or 49% tax, depending on their tax rate and all of those sort of things. So they're essentially getting 30% wiped out straight away of the money that they've just made. So people who day trade tend to incur decent amounts of capital gains tax if they're making money. If you leave your money in, in an asset that keeps growing over time, you don't incur capital gains tax until you sell it. So you don't have to worry about getting 30% wiped or 40% getting wiped every time you buy and sell. You just keep it in there for a long period of time. Number two is that every time you trade, you have to pay a trading fee essentially. So you're paying for brokerage. So if I've got to pay $20 every time I trade, then every time I buy, every time I sell, every time I buy, every time I sell, every time I buy, every time I sell, you're incurring that fee. So you end up not losing money, but you're essentially incurring fees every time. So not only are you getting taxed, you're also getting fees. This is why Warren Buffett, who is the greatest investor of all time, had a bet with some large funds. And he said that the market in general will outperform the funds as a whole. Because by the time, like in a lot of funds, like superannuation funds do this and a lot of funds do it, hedge funds do it, where what they'll say is, let's say the market goes up by 8%. So the whole overall share market goes up by 8% overall, or let's say it's the S&P 500, which is a bunch of businesses, the top 500 businesses in that index or in the share market, I guess you could say. I'm trying to keep this as simple as possible. Some of the analogies might be a little bit incorrect, but you get the point. So the top 500 companies in the share market, let's say the shares go up over a year around 8% on average. It could be a little bit more, it could be a little bit less, but let's just say it's around 8%. Now, some of the funds like superannuation funds might say, well, we beat the market. And we beat the market because we get 8.5%. So they get 0.5% better. But the problem is that they might be charging you 1% fees on top of that. Then they also have to pay tax on top of the trade-in and trade-outs as well. So they may be incurring more costs. So you might not get that 8.5%. You might actually only get 7%, which means your account is actually 1% less than the market as a whole. 
So if you had just put that money into a market or an index as a whole, you would probably beat the people who are trading in and out. So this has been researched fairly heavily. Like you can just go and do a little bit of research on this. There's a great website called Investopedia. And if you go and have a look at it, there's so many articles on different types of investment. You can do heaps of research in there. If you're just starting out, you can just go and type in what is a share and it will come up and it will tell you and explain what shares are. It'll tell you what a dividend is. It'll tell you about taxation. So you can pretty much type in anything and learn as you go, which is why I love Investopedia. You can also do the same thing on YouTube, but just make sure you go to credible sources that aren't trying to sell you a gimmick. But anyway, over time, day traders normally end up worse than if you just put your money in the market and left it for a long period of time. So there's plenty of research, there's plenty of data on this. So anyway, I normally invest in that way because it's just a good strategy. And the wealthiest people on the planet, that tends to be what they do is they buy and then they hold for a long period of time. So even good property investors normally buy and hold for long periods of time. In most cases, unless they're a developer, then they develop, but they will normally move assets over to long hold assets as well so that they own parts of properties or they own commercial real estate. They're normally holding on to assets. So anyway, coming back to Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett bet these major funds that the market would outperform their buying and selling, buying and selling, you know, trying to beat the market. And he won. He ended up winning a million dollars and gave it away to charity. Coming back to crypto. So I'd heard about crypto. I had bought a heap of it, but I noticed that my mind was getting occupied by the fluctuations of the market. Then when I was talking to Dr. John D. Martini, who was a close friend and a colleague of mine, we were talking about this and he said, if markets are volatile and they interrupt your psychology, it already tells you that you can't handle the volatility of the market. And he said, some people can handle it and some people can't. Now, personally, I can't handle the volatility of going to bed at nighttime with, let's just say, $50,000 in my account and then waking up the next morning and it's at $25,000. And then the day after, it's at $110,000. And then the day after, it's at $105,000. And then the following day, it's up $120,000. That volatility fucks with my head and it fucks with most people's head. I mean, if you notice that money comes in and out of your bank account consistently and you're consistently watching your bank account throughout the week, and you get stressed out when there's no money in the account, then you should be buying safer investments if you are investing. Now, some of my friends enjoy gambling, and so they enjoy the volatility of those markets. They enjoy that stuff. But I wouldn't recommend it for 99.999% of people unless you are a professional gambler or can handle that volatility because it's just too much for most people. For me, what I found was it took away from my main source of income. Now, my main source of income and the thing that I love to do is I love helping people perform better. I love helping people to achieve a kick-ass life, which is what Mojo Human Performance Institute is all about. Now, all of a sudden, when I am starting to check my share account every day or my investment account or my Bitcoin account, when I'm checking that consistently, it's because there's too much volatility there and it pulls my focus away. So if I get excited about the increase of the amount of wealth that I have in that account, and then I start feeling depressed or I become afraid when the markets are dropping, I know that my brain's not ready for that volatility. Like I said, for most people, it's just not like that. So I remember buying Bitcoin when it was about $1,500 per coin. I'm not sure what it is now. I can probably type it in and actually I'm gonna do it right now. Let me have a look. And so as of today, it's essentially around $25,000. So I bought it for $1,500 and I bought a heap of them. I bought a heap of Ethereum and I just sat on them. But I noticed that every day I was consistently going to my phone. I was checking my phone. I would get all excited when prices were up. You know, I'd go to bed at nighttime and I'd say to Jess, I'd roll over and I'd be like, look, we're up $30,000 today. And then tomorrow I'd be like, oh fuck, don't say anything to Jess because we're down 10 this is not good. And then I'd start to stress. And then as the price starts to go up, I would get excited again and come back in and like, 
look, we're back up again. We're, we're, it's going good. It fucked with my emotions too much. I ended up getting to a point where we had put in, let's just say, I can't remember exactly what it was in overall total amount of crypto, but I know I had Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum at the time. And let's just say it was, I had about $25,000 of Bitcoin, had a fair bit of Ethereum and Litecoin as well, but they were really cheap at the time. I remember watching our account go up and I said to Jess, like, I want to sell when we've made $100,000 on top of what we've invested. And I'm just going to use these numbers as round numbers, but let's just say I'd invested $25,000. I wanted to make $125,000 in return before I sold out. So essentially a four or five X return. Now I watched it grow and grow and grow over six months, eight months or whatever it was. And all of a sudden it just had this big growth curve where it started growing really, really quickly. Every day I was getting excited. I'm like, yes, yes, keep going, keep going. And I was excited, I'm checking it at events. I was distracted throughout the day because it was easy money. And then all of a sudden we go up, we keep going up and we're like $92,000 up. And then all of a sudden the market started dropping. One night, I remember the night, I went to bed and I watched and the markets drop by about 5%. And I was like, meh, it's all right, it'll go back up tomorrow. Then the following day, I watched it drop by another 5%. I'm going, shit, we're 10% down. Then the following day, it dropped by like 7%. And I'm thinking, oh fuck. Then it went up a little bit and then it dropped again. And then... So what I noticed was all day I was just distracted shitting myself because I was getting excited about this payday. I was getting excited about pulling out a hundred grand and putting it towards our house that we were just about to buy. I hadn't bought a house yet. This was for me exciting because I was just going to lay down another hundred thousand dollars on our deposit. I was pumped about it. And then I kept watching it drop and drop and drop. And I started getting more anxious, more afraid, more stressed out thinking, fuck, what have I done? You know, this is crazy. Jess said to me when we were up by about $90,000, she said, Michael, just pull it out. And I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to. I'm going to leave it in. I'm going to do what I said. I'm going to get to 100 grand. And it was just distracting me so much. It was such a distraction. And for a couple of weeks, I would check my phone consistently. I would get excited when it would go back up and think, fuck, maybe it's going in the right direction. And then I'd think, shit, what if it doesn't? And so that volatility was just too much. Now, it's not too much. Like, let's just say if I didn't really have too much going on and I wasn't corely focused on the business growing, I didn't have a purpose in life. I didn't have a mission in life. And let's just say, you know, I didn't really care too much. And I had maybe a million dollars of other investments. It wouldn't have bothered me. But at the time, I was building my investment portfolio. We were putting a fair bit into the share market, but also as well, I'd put this money into crypto. And so just that volatility was just stressing me out too much because I didn't want to lose that $100,000. And I'd already seen myself investing it in the house. Anyway, eventually it dropped down to almost where I started from. So it dropped down to, let's just say, the original investment of $25,000 or $30,000, whatever it was. I was really freaking out. I was like, fuck, I've lost like $92,000. And that's how I saw it. It really ate at me. I was freaking out. I was like, Jess is going to fucking kill me because she told me to pull it out. She was right. I was wrong. And so I started beating myself up. It ended up over a couple of month period. It went back up anyway. And I doubled my money. And then I thought, you know what, fuck it. I'm out of here. I pulled out the money paid the tax on it. So I paid, you know, the 30% tax or whatever on the extra 50K. And then that was it. I was out and I was done. It was just way too volatile at the time for my mindset, and my psychology. And what I realized is that anytime someone makes an investment and it affects with their emotions, it's because they're not ready for that investment yet. So if you're investing in something that's risky and it's got high risk and it's got a high reward, then that's probably not the best place to start, especially with a decent amount of money. So there were people that I saw on my social media account. In fact, it was a lot of people. A lot of people who'd never had any money, never really understood investing, were broke all the time. And they're getting in on social media telling everyone that they're stupid if they don't invest in crypto. Crypto is going to be the future. It's going to overthrow governments. All of that junk. Now, here's the thing, right? Governments are militarized. 
So if governments just want to take your crypto, they'll just take it or they just shut down the websites. It's not that hard to figure out. But most people, when they're elated, when they're excited, when they're thinking with their emotions and they're not really thinking logically, will say dumb shit like that. The majority of my social media, the majority of my Facebook page, every day I would wake up, there would probably be 10 to 20 posts that I would scroll through about crypto, about why everyone's getting rich on crypto, why everyone's gonna make a killing, why governments are gonna get overthrown, why this thing is decentralized and governments can't touch it and it's not gonna be regulated. The Federal Reserve aren't gonna have anything to do with it. And so most people had these fantasy ideas around this idea of cryptocurrency. But what they didn't understand is number one, the government are militarized. So this has happened for thousands of years. Now this happened you know, hundreds of years ago as well, where if you had large amounts of gold, it was illegal to own gold. So the government would just say, it's illegal to own gold. If you have gold, you have to give it to the government. And if you didn't do that, they would come and arrest you. That was it. And so they did that. Now they could do the same thing with cryptocurrency. They could just make it illegal, say that if you own it, you go to jail. 99.9% .9 of people would give up their cryptocurrency for that exact reason because they don't want to go to jail. Now there's the 0.01% that will probably keep it. They'll probably hide it. They'll figure it out for whatever reason. Now that same thing happens with cocaine trafficking. It happens with people that grow weed in their backyard or in major quantities. Either way, people will still do that. But once governments just say you can't do it, most people give it up. So that overthrows that way of thinking about it. The other thing, governments also have access to shut down websites. They do it consistently. If there are websites out there that oppose certain government rules and regulations, they just shut that shit down. This happened during COVID as well, that if you were someone who said certain things about that certain virus. All that happens is that they either shut down your Facebook account, they shut down whatever accounts that you have if they think you're a big enough pest. So you just gotta be careful with this stuff. Governments can control what happens. Now, if Bitcoin and crypto was a big enough threat, they would just shut it down. What I also heard was that big funds are now starting to invest in crypto. But what they don't understand, what most people don't understand is that big funds have to keep up with markets. Now, if you own a big fund, a big investment fund, and people are making 30 to 40% per year in crypto, and they're moving large amounts of money into cryptocurrency, then if the big funds don't follow along with that suit, then people just move their money out of the funds and go straight into these new investment opportunities. So they have to do that as well. It's not that they want to do it because it's intelligent. They're just doing it because if they don't do it, it causes huge problems with their cash flow. It also causes huge problems with the investment opportunities that they have based on the people that are investing in their company. So they start getting involved in it. And then a whole bunch of people go, well, see, the big funds are getting involved, but they have to. Also, the other thing to understand is that in big funds, a lot of the time, it's not the people's money in those funds. So this is really interesting. The other day I was listening to a statistic and that statistic was that 50% of fund managers don't invest in their own funds. So half of all the people who manage your money probably don't have their money in those same investments. And you've got to ask why that is. So just because they're investing other people's money in crypto doesn't mean that they're investing their own money in cryptocurrency. So this is what we've got to be careful of because it's other people's money. If you just go back to 2008, the big banks don't give a fuck whether you lose your house. They don't care. They just want to make interest on it. Now, as certain managers in those large organizations, they get paid on profit or they get paid on wins. So if you said to me, Michael, I'm going to give you a million dollars if you take everyone else's money and you beat the market. Well, I would probably risk their money because it's not my money, it's their money. Now, if I win, I get a million dollar bonus. If I lose, nothing happens. Or I might get sacked and I'll just go to another bank or whatever. That's how it works. So when you understand how the markets work, 
all of these things are completely normal. All investments are normally driven by two key factors. The first one, the underlying thing is the value of the investment. So what does it actually do to provide value? So when I invest in a company like, let's say Qantas, Qantas are an airline, their goal is to make a profit by moving people or product around the world. So they're essentially a business that is profit-driven and value-driven. If they don't provide value to the customer, they go broke. So their goal is to consistently improve through innovation, through technological advance, through better management systems and processes, through better marketing. And so the more that they do that, the more value that they create. And because of the more value that they create, the more money that they make. Now, if they make good profits, then as a shareholder, I get paid back some of that profit in a dividend. Now, when we're looking at other opportunities, they're not so much value driven, they're emotional driven. This is also the same with property. If you buy a property close to a city, that has a large amount of immigration or a large amount of people coming to that city, then if you're close to the city, your house price will consistently go up over many, many years. Why? Because more people want the opportunity to live closer to the city. So therefore, someone with a little bit more money will come along and say, you know what? I will give you a little bit more money than this other person is offering because I would like to live closer to the city than that person. And so that's why house prices start to inflate, especially around cities that are growing. They're adding more value to the economy or to people's lives. So if you think about investments, they normally have to be value driven. Now, if you wanna make crazy investments, then do emotional driven investments that aren't necessarily backed by value. Now, what happened was in the cryptocurrency boom, and I shouldn't call it a currency, but in the crypto boom, people were investing their money just on the idea that it's gonna go up. There was no underlying value, there was no underlying asset in most cryptos. So people are creating these fucking stupid coins, like I'm just gonna call one Mojo coin, and I'm just gonna create a Mojo coin, and that Mojo coin is gonna go up in value. Then I go out and I sell it to everybody, and I say, I'm gonna create this coin, and it's gonna be great because people are gonna use it for whatever reason, and most people are investing in it. They were just chucking money into those things. Now, there were things called rug pulls, and a rug pull is essentially where everyone stands on the rug and you pull the rug out from underneath their feet, that's a rug pull. Now, there were people who were creating these coins and doing rug pulls. So they would get a million dollars worth of money into their coin, and then they would just pull the rug out from underneath everybody, take that money, and they would just fuck off with the money. Now, there are certain agencies that are now starting to crack down on that, and they're going back and investigating people that are rug pulling. So there's probably going to be, over the next five or six years, a few people that might go to jail, a few people who might have to refund money, there were celebrities out there who were creating their own coins or their own, I guess you could say cryptos and doing rug pulls. Then NFTs came along and an NFT, people were just essentially creating fucking pictures or taking pictures of something and then using that as an NFT and people were buying it because they thought that it was art and they thought that it was gonna go up in price and inflate. Almost all of the NFT space has just been absolutely wiped out. Now, if you don't think intelligently about a value-driven asset, then what will happen is you will normally lose your money. And it's a great lesson. When I started seeing this shit, I thought I'm out. Also, there are other things that happen. There's something called a Ponzi scheme. And a Ponzi scheme is essentially a pyramid scheme where I get a whole bunch of people, or let's say I run a pyramid scheme. I could get a whole bunch of people who then will invest in something that I have. But then what I do is I sell that to people below them as well. And I use the money that the people below them have paid me in order to pay investment returns back to the people above them. And so the more people you bring on over time, the more money you make. And when people start to pull their money out or they want some returns, you just use the other people's money to give it back to them. 
So essentially it's a Ponzi scheme. There's nothing of an underlying value or an underlying asset there. They're illegal. If you wanna go and have a look there, if you just go to YouTube and type in Bernie Madoff, there is a documentary about Bernie Madoff who had one of the world's largest Ponzi schemes. It was worth billions upon billions of dollars. I think 20, 30 billion dollars. And he essentially convinced royal families, extremely wealthy people. He was very, very well known in the markets for beating the markets. And he was a fraud. He was making it all up. And governments, you know, were celebrating him. The investment industry was celebrating him. They thought he was, you know, God's gift to the investment industry. And it was all fake. It was all lies. And no one picked up on it for many, many, many years. I think it was a couple of decades. So these things happen. They're out there. You've just got to be very careful of them. But always study the underlying asset or where the value is created. Because value just doesn't come from thin air. Like if you buy something for $2 and then I give you $3 for it, the asset will inflate. But then in order for me to get my money back, I've got to sell it for $3. And if I want to make a profit, I've got to sell it for four. Now that can happen with no underlying asset. All that that can go up is based on a story. And that's what was happening with a lot of the cryptos is that people were just using stories and saying, well, the price is going to go up. And people just come in and they're like, well, shit, they're making money. So therefore I want to make money. So I'm going to just get in as well. And then they go out and tell their friends, well, this is making money. So then more people pour into that market for the only reason of a cool story. There was no value there. So before I started seeing this happen, I got in and out. And so I'd made my money. And then I just watched people getting more and more crazy. Something that I've learned over the years is that when everyone starts talking about it, you probably want to be out of it. So like the housing bubble that has happened, now I think markets are going to start to drop significantly. I don't think we've seen the damage yet. But people were buying houses up until three or four months ago where house prices just kept inflating because the media get hold of it. And the media say, everyone's making money in property. And so people go, ah, it's safe. I can't lose money. And then they get into it. But they were never intelligent in the first place. They had no understanding of the underlying value of the asset. They didn't really even know what they were buying. They just went, well, other people are getting rich in property. Therefore, I should just get into property. Instead of looking at well, is that true? Or is it just a majority of mum and dad investors and people that aren't good with money are getting in, which is normally where smart investors pull their money out. Because when a market gets overinflated or too hot, you want to have your money out of that market or you just want to keep it in and ride the wave if you're long-term. But you don't want to buy a house at the top of the peak of the market. Because if not, there's only one way and that's down. And so you might take a 20 or a 30% hit now that means that over a period of time, in order to get your money back, you have to wait for the market to go back up by 30% before you even get a dollar back. So that's challenging and it's tough. So long-term investors, people who think over a long time horizon and who think about value are normally those who get ahead. I started realizing that the market was just going stupid. When people were spending tens of thousands of dollars on fucking stupid pitches that had no underlying value that meant nothing for the sake or the idea of just, I'm gonna get rich off of owning these dumb things, I knew that the market was just stupid and full of stupid people doing stupid shit. Now, some of you who are listening to this now might sit there and go, well, I was fucking stupid and I did stupid shit. Everyone does stupid shit in their life. And so I've done a lot of dumb things in investing as well over the years. So it's not good, it's not bad. It's just you need to learn lessons and move on. For those people out there who've done that, it's not good or bad. Don't beat yourself up for it. Just learn from it and grow from it. I have lost money over the years in investing. I had done foreign exchange trading where I used to trade the markets in foreign exchange. Sometimes I'd make money, sometimes I'd lose money, but I never really got ahead. All it did was it just wasted time. And for a lot of people who are trading stuff, they just waste time. That's all that they waste. If you go to YouTube, there's actually plenty of good documentaries, like really good documentaries on the markets. Normally they're, I think CBS, the broadcaster, do a lot of really good documentaries on that stuff. And there's a few where you can go back and watch 
investors over time and especially those who trade markets and most of them end up worse off they don't end up better off they end up losing their house they lose their marriage they are stressed out they're burnt out a lot of them have alcohol problems drug problems a lot of them you know smoke are unhealthy they eat shit food because they're living the lifestyle of jordan belfort in the wolf of wall street and that catches up with you eventually not a good idea volatile people normally live volatile lives and it doesn't end up good for most people who do that stuff but anyway when i started seeing that i realized that the market was getting stupid when you have people that have always been poor with their investment decisions not poor financially or whatever but poor with their investment decisions starting to tell everybody else what they should be doing financially it's time to run so i tend to listen to people that are well versed and well accredited in the way that they do things because they've got runs on the board. When I started seeing Warren Buffett, the greatest investor on the planet, saying, and Charlie Munger, who's his business partner, both of them are worth hundreds of billions of dollars, some of the greatest investors of all time, having all these knuckleheads get on social media and say, oh, Warren Buffett's old, he's outdated, he doesn't understand the latest technology. He understands how to make money. That's what he understands. So he doesn't have to understand cryptocurrency in order to understand how to make money. And when he's saying that there's no underlying asset, that this is crazy, that people are going to lose a lot of money, and all these young knuckleheads that are 18 years of age or you know, 35 or 40 or 55 and have never, ever had money at all in their life, have never really had a good investment history, are coming out and saying that he's an idiot and that he doesn't understand, I would put my money, if I was a gambling man, on Warren Buffett over them. And so I just started seeing this heated market. I started seeing celebrities that are absolute fucking knuckleheads get out and start these NFTs and stuff like that. And they were making millions off of selling an idea and stupidity to the market. And then they would do rug pulls. So a few of them, I believe, will probably end up either in jail, and this is only the start of it, but the more that this shit gets investigated over the next two or three years, I think some of them will end up in jail. If not, some of them will have to back pay all of the people who bought those things because what they did was illegal. You can't create something that you call an investment, take their money and just fuck off. That is fraud. And so I think regulators will crack down on that. It also will get regulated and that will change the way that it's used. It will probably wipe out a whole bunch of other cryptos. All of this stuff started happening. I got people who were on social media telling me that I should invest in these crypto because if I buy all this Bitcoin, then this company would give me 1% return per day. Now that to me is a Ponzi scheme. That's exactly what, if you go back and watch the documentary about Bernie Madoff, that's exactly what he was doing. He was beating the market guaranteeing better returns, all of that sort of stuff. He was guaranteeing it. It's hard to guarantee returns on the market because markets are based on probabilities. So if we look at the last 100 years of the US share market, it's gone up by around about 8% per year on average, around about, depending on a few different things, but it's around about 8%. So when you've got someone saying that you can guarantee returns and you can guarantee 1% per day, the only way that that can happen is when more people keep investing their money and you're essentially using their money to pay out other people, or the only way that that can happen is when more people are coming into the markets. So when there's a big rush into the markets and people are putting heaps of money in there, the price gets massively inflated. And so I knew that this stuff was happening. Three of those companies that I got hit up about that are guaranteeing returns all got found out to be Ponzi schemes. And people lost a lot of money. So I started seeing it really early on. I also started noticing that a lot of people were coming to me telling me that I was stupid and didn't understand stuff because I wasn't investing. And people are starting to get angry because I wasn't investing. Also, the more that you notice that people are pushing a certain agenda in investing, the more that they're doing it because it makes them money. So I started seeing more and more people who had never made money promoting Bitcoin, promoting Ethereum, promoting Dogecoin, promoting all these different coins. But that's because it inflates the price of the market. So then they can get their money. 
So if I go and tell everyone that I bought an iPhone, an iPhone 13, and that they're super rare, and that if you don't have an iPhone 13, they're going to go up from $1,000 to $10,000 in the next two months, then people start rushing out to buy iPhone 13s. Now, when the price inflates, if I bought mine for $1,000, let's say in three months, I can now sell my phone for $7,000. Well, I just made six grand on my iPhone. The iPhone's not any better. It doesn't even have to be true that they're rare. I just made up a fucking cool story that now people are going out and they're buying all these iPhones and I was able to sell my iPhone because I told everyone that the price was going up. And that's what a lot of people did on their social media. They just naturally drove the price up by pushing more people who didn't understand what was going on into the markets. So all of this stuff happened. I just sat back and I watched it all play out. I just earned my money in the share market. In fact, I still have it all. I still got all the dividends and you know the price went up. So I've still got more money than what I had a year ago. A lot of people who invested in crypto ended up with less money than what they had a year ago. So just be careful of this stuff. The same has happened in property over the last 12 months where people got into a hot market and now their properties are worth 10, 20, 30% less than what they paid for. They learn a valuable lesson, which is don't buy into heated markets. And number two, when the media and everyone else, or when a whole bunch of other knuckleheads who have never had any money tell you how to invest your money, probably do the opposite of what they're telling you to do. So I normally buy when everything's bad and I sell when everything's good if I am selling. Now I choose not to sell my share investments for that exact reason. I just hold on to them. I just keep letting them grow because I know that over a 20 to 30 year period, if I keep getting 8% per year plus dividends, that keeps compounding over and over and over and over and over again. And it just keeps making more and more money over time. So anyway, I saw that happening. I saw a few exchanges start to fall over. And then all of a sudden now we've got the FTX issue where Sam Bankman-Fried has essentially frauded and scammed a whole bunch of people out of their cash by doing illegal stuff. So he probably will go to jail at this stage, it looks like. And he did exactly what Bernie Madoff did. But that stuff happens. So fraudulent stuff happens, especially when markets are heated, because everyone wants to get in on them. People don't think. So this comes back to a fundamental principle that I teach at Thrive Time. Now, at Thrive Time, I consistently talk about how our investments distort our intelligence. I talk about the neuroscience of different parts of the brain work in different ways. And I say that when emotions are high, intelligence is normally low. When intelligence is high, emotions are regulated. Now, if you're not thinking intelligently about investing and where you put your money and thinking with long time horizons, you're probably doing it emotionally. So when you're investing emotionally, you're thinking about short term, you're thinking about immediate gratification, you're letting fear and greed drive your behaviors. Now, the majority of all markets are driven by fear and by greed. When markets go down, most people freak out and shit their pants. And when markets are going up, most people start to get excited. They start thinking about how they're gonna make all this money. And then over time, they end up losing their money because the markets eventually go down. So fear and greed drives markets up and down. Like if you have a look at the share price of the last, let's just say the last week, and let's say we're going to look at BHP. Now, BHP is a mining company. If you're anywhere around the world, they're one of Australia's biggest mining companies, if not the biggest. And if BHP prices, if you have a look at them over the last week, they've gone up, they've gone down, they've gone up, they've gone down, and you'll see this volatility in the market. That market is essentially driven by fear and greed. When markets go up, day traders or people that are trading in and out of the markets think that they're gonna make money. So they buy in, wait for the price to go up, and then they sell. When markets are going down, they freak out and they go, shit, we're going to lose our money. So they sell out of the market, which then drives the price down. So nothing has really happened to the quality of the product. 
So BHP last week did exactly the same stuff as what they did the week before. They do the same stuff every day. Like if you've worked for a large organization, it is extremely hard to change things. So things don't change on a moment by moment basis. But that share price is going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down throughout the week and looks like a really big zigzaggy line. That line is essentially people buying in and buying out of that company. When prices go down, people freak out and they go in fear. And then when prices go up, people get greedy, which then pushes the price up even more. So almost all markets are driven by fear and greed, which is people's emotional states. Now, intelligent investors aren't driven by fear and greed. They're driven by understanding the market. They're driven by understanding the underlying asset. And then they buy into the value that over time, like if you look at, let's say Facebook, you buy a share in Facebook or you buy 100 shares in Facebook, over time, you believe that that company will be worth more value in the future than what it will be today, which is why you buy that share. Because you're essentially putting your money and investing into that business, which now means that you're part of the business ownership. That's it. Such a simple way of understanding markets, essentially. Okay, now property is a bit different. There are other investments out there like bonds and so on. But I'm just, I guess I'm talking mainly about shares, but it's all relative. Okay, because property prices do exactly the same. They're driven by fear and greed. Okay, when prices go up, people get greedy and they think, shit, I can sell my house now and I can make money. So they start selling. When there's more buyers in the market, the prices keep getting pushed up. Eventually, when there's more sellers in the market and less buyers, the prices start dropping because there's less people who want those properties. So this happens. Okay, all markets go through cycles. So when I started seeing all this stuff happen, I knew that there was going to eventually be regulation because governments will have to regulate it. When mum and dad investors start losing money, governments have to get involved, especially when there is a decent percentage of people who are losing money. So when the banks start doing dumb shit and they start lending too much money to people, so back in 2008 or prior to 2008, you could walk into banks in the US and you could borrow money even if you didn't really have a lot of money. They would just lend anyone money. Now, they didn't care about whether you could repay that money or not. They didn't even really think about it. So then eventually 2008 happens, the global financial crisis or the GFC, the financial industry collapses, Governments come in and they go, we have to regulate this industry. And regulation essentially means we need to stop stupid people from doing stupid shit. And we need to stop mum and dad investors or what is known as mum and dad investors, which are people with low investing IQ. And when I say low investing IQ, it just means that they don't have a background in investing. They don't really understand it. They just follow the trend. What they do is then they regulate it. And so they put all these rules and guidelines in place to stop that stuff from happening. But over time, eventually these businesses find ways around the regulations. They've got great legal teams, great accounting teams, and they find ways around doing things. And then eventually the same thing happens again. And so we end up in these cycles. Normally those cycles around every eight years, they can extend a little bit, they can drop a little bit, it all depends. But we had a correction in about 2000, I think it was about 2000, March of 2000, because I bought a heap of shares and we saw the markets drop by about 30%. But we didn't have a big correction over an extended period of time like we did in 2018. So people, if you are going to invest, make sure you understand the underlying asset that you're buying, what the value that it creates is over an extended period of time, and number three, make sure you manage your emotions. Your emotions are gonna be the number one thing that will make you a good investor over a long period of time. Your emotions will also be the things that make you excited, but also make you shit your pants, freak out and lose sleep when you lose your money. So make sure you control your emotions. This is why I believe that Thrive Time is the greatest event on the planet. Because when you learn how to manage your emotions and learn how to govern them effectively and you understand why you do what you do, over time, you will come out with a way better life than those who just are running off their emotions, don't understand what they're trying to do, don't understand their direction, don't understand what fulfills them, and they don't understand how to tap into their psychology 
in order to get them the results that they want in any area of their life. Okay, emotions tend to fuck up most things because they're volatile. Okay, what goes up eventually comes back down. What goes down eventually comes back up. So if you are one of those people out there who are driven from your emotions, then it's gonna be very, very hard to create good quality long-term investments. And time is the thing that makes good quality long-term investments. Like you think if you bought a house 30 years ago and you put people in to rent it, that house has probably paid itself off and made you money. If you bought it in a good area and you're intelligent about the investment that you made. Now, not always do you have to buy in good areas. Sometimes the rental returns are better in low socioeconomic areas. It all depends but you need to think through the investment decisions that you're making. So anyway, that's my breakdown of crypto. It's my breakdown of FTX and why you know I didn't get involved in a lot of that stuff and why I decided to pull out before it got too crazy and too volatile and why I stuck to the share market. That's why I get asked this question quite a bit, so I thought I would share. Anyway, Driven Mofos, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you're not following me on all my socials, remember to jump across to MichaelMojo00 on all platforms. And also please make sure that you jump across and subscribe to my YouTube channel, MichaelMojo00 on YouTube. I am uploading exclusive content on there and exclusive trainings. So please make sure you jump across there, check it out. Stay driven, driven mofos. Have a great week, keep kicking ass and live the life that you were born to live. Take care, everybody. See you next time.